Alec. Hey. What's going on? So you want to chat a little bit? Yes. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a Native American, from a Native American language, a wetico. Okay. W-E-T-I-K-O. Have you ever encountered it? No. The notion? No. It's like a, a virus that embeds itself. Well, we already have it in us. It essentially is the one that distracts us from our original self, as it were, and uh, makes us behave in very selfish ways, like an addiction of greed, etc. And it spreads. It's kind of a psychic virus, if you will. And I really liked uh, the image of a psychic virus because I've been thinking about is it that a person is evil or he or she does evil things rather than being evil and therefore to be condemned? You know, it's in Christianity it would be like a demon taking right. us over, as it were. Uh-huh. And then we need to be cleansed of that, like Mary Magdalene or others were cleansed of demons. Right. Instead of demons with an S, it's, a, it's one virus, let's say, that has a variety of expressions, mm-hmm. so to speak, as to why people can behave in such horrendous ways, even though the ways that destroy them. It's not as if they can just grow and grow and then uh, become happier and wiser and more loving at the expense of others is that it destroys ourselves as others that they contaminate. Right. So I find that a very attractive image to explain what it is that's going on. Well, it's quite interesting just from the bike shop perspective. A whole lot of people that are just expecting instant service like things haven't changed. They don't understand we're on a sort of emergency basis here. We're, we're doing triage, you know, and yet we have people who are expecting instant service, get very irritated if they have to wait or we can't take care of them. Amazing. We also have people that are very appreciative and, man, thanks for... Yes. Thanks for doing this, and you know, especially at this time. So it's I've been saying to a lot of people that the good is going to come out and the bad is going to come out, and um, we'll see who, how, which which way we're going to go as a as a nation or as a world, or especially as a yeah. nation, because I'm I think other nations are much more in tune to helping each other and have a sense of social consciousness uh somehow america has that has eluded us for the last 50 years perhaps because of our neoliberal training that we're all rational self-interested beings who are making optimal choices for our own well-being and somehow this is going to help everyone else this version that ultimately doesn't help us. It destroys us. Right. Like an addiction 
wanted more. Well, why do want people want more liquor? Well, because they want to be happier than what they are, where they're miserable. So here's the thing that if I have more of, it makes me happy. Only, only though, that at the expense of my self-destruction. So I like the notion of virus. Well, it's certainly um, more ac applicable than just uh, the actual coronavirus. Yes. We, we talk about viruses in, com in computers. Uh, that book I read, Forecast, by Mark Buchanan, talked about viruses in the, uh, in, in the markets, you know, or yes, things, things I, that I, act I, like I, viruses. That, uh, very good. I got a copy. Uh, but I'm going to use it more in the last class, which is next week, because it's about the longer-term policy or direction we want to uh, we want to take, and right. that requires a change in our viewpoint. It's not just a matter of changing policy, but it's a change on our viewpoint. Yes, and that. The article that I wrote, uh, springboarding off of Mark Buchanan's book, my article, which is online, is abnormal as the new normal. But at the end of that, that was my reflection on Mark Buchanan's book. Yes. I don't know how in America we're going to change the story. Yeah, though what uh, Ralph and I, the other person who's teaching it with, we've called it the narrative, but it amounts to the same thing. A narrative? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Change the, the narrative. The narrative, the storyline, the ideo ideology. Yes. storyline, um, all of that, right. yeah. Um, the, the, I think right. I mentioned this to you before, but this is... Yeah, in in Mark Buchanan's book, he this was just kind of a passing statement, but for me, it really struck at struck me as to uh, why it is that, and this is all in his discussion about the whole neoliberal notion of we're all individual free uh, optimizers, we're all rational. We're all thinking what's the best thing, what's the best choices yeah. I can make for myself. So it's all in that context. But he goes, spends many chapters saying that we're not really, we humans don't really do this. Matter of fact, he says we're, we're very poor optimizers. And he says we don't make our choices based on ration, rational uh, narrowing down to the best choices. He says, we make our choices based on what best fits the storyline that I'm following. And yes. that to me was just like, oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, you get so baffled as to, okay, here are the facts, and these people just fly in the face of facts. And, yes. then, and then they say, well, you, that's your facts, and these are my facts, or we get in these ridiculous arguments like that, and it's like, oh, yeah. And it's not just them. I mean, it's me, it's you. We, we all have a story that, you know, we're sorting the information on how that fits with the story. There's very... We, we 
ordained story, sort of. Yes, yes or yes. whatever we think is the authoritative story, the, tr the best story, the true story. There's lots of people. They're, they're usually great artists, great uh, writers, great poets, great musicians, uh, theologians. Great spiritual figures. Great spiritual figures, too. Yeah, they're the ones who first... Uncover it. First, well, they first realize that the story, their storyline is false. <laughs> they have to come to this realization of what I thought was the authoritative story. Uh, it doesn't work. It, it breaks down. They, they have to go through this, this catharsis to realize, oh, the world that I had built in my head or whatever is not the true world. John Crossan says yeah. a lot about this in his... Um, his book on the parables but he says you know what jesus does in the parables is is to blow up our worlds he says that's yeah. that's the first thing that goes on in the parables is that jesus blows up our worlds jesus doesn't come to to end the world he came to end our worlds and yes, so yes yes quite so yes so, very very good yep yeah. i had this revelation by one of the readings blow, so to speak, and it was so good, very similar to what you're saying. And he said, Jesus, the, the text said, Jesus came to save us from ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rather than for our sins. Yeah, which is kind of the same thing. Yes, <laughs> and it was just so revelatory. It coincides with what you're saying and where we have been going here in our discussions. It's not that we construct this this uh, worldview, but that we inherit it initially from our parents and then exemplified in our in our culture, um, which reinforces it. Right. And when we are very very young, we don't have the capacity. To say, you know, Dad, that you're full of it. <laughs> well, a lot of us as teenagers come to that point of view, but sometimes... Yeah, but even with teenagers, you then don't have the authority to really rebel because Dad has all of the resources for keeping you alive. I read an article about how Amazon workers are being fired uh, for protest, not just protesting, just saying, hey, you know, we need safe work environments. Uh, and this is going to, this is my fear about what's going to happen when they start, quote, opening up the economy is everyone's going to be in this place where, I, and I've already experienced it at my job where it's like, you know, questions of safety are just going to be compromised just as soon as there's money on the line. Yeah, so it's the same thing where we have trying to object to your parents' point of view when you're the one being taken care of. And we had that same problem when I lived in community as well. We were all for one and one for all, and we had all put our pennies into the same pot. So it made it pretty tough to to go against that because uh, it literally could mean that you were out out in the street. You, well, you had built your life around that. And so to just up and end your life, having this, you know, that's that's not something anybody wants to do. Yeah, it, 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 it was, 
around them survival, you know, and there's this right. tendency to do whatever is needed to survive. Correct. The other image was with, uh, with uh, uh, Jews in the desert. Right. When they say, well, uh, you know, we're, maybe we're better off in Egypt. <laughs> they're, that's what they're hoping for, you know. They're, they're uh, hoping that we'll be able to go back to, uh, hoping things will be the same as, you know, just resume. And uh, we can all go back to our wonderful consumerism, as I'm experiencing at our retail store. People just chomping at the bit to just start consuming things again and feeling better about stuff. My thinking is, as it was four years ago with Hillary Clinton, is I was just hoping we could buy four years, <laughs> you know, to start working towards a much more progressive. And I, I don't even know if progressive is the word or even socialism or uh, this is the thing that Verifikis is uh, covering in his series, Another Now, which you can watch on YouTube. We, we really are to a point where the, the kind of categories even that we have worked with in the 20th century and the beginning of, of this century, I had a discussion with a relative of mine, and he was talking about uh, negatively about socialism, and I asked him to define what socialism was, and he really didn't know. Certainly there are a lot of people that are saying, you know, this system, the way it was up until this point, was not working. A lot of Trump voters were saying the same thing. The system isn't working, you know. Or it's working for those very few people. And even for them, it's working temporarily if they're addicted to power and money, and it's still going to break them eventually. Yes, uh, exactly. What's going to change the scenario? What's going to change the narrative? We're at this point where we go, I don't know how yes. we're going to get, how we're going to move yes. on, how I'm going to be transformed, how society's going to be transformed, and not not just another round of World War Three. I've listened to several of Giannis Verifikis's um, uh, series on YouTube, as well as uh, listen to several things by Michael Hudson, and they both come to a kind of conclusion that, yeah, it's uh, we're in a very stuck place. Um, both of Michael Hudson and Verifikis say, Verifikis yeah. says, uh, yeah, Bernie was the best chance at that. I think that at least up to now, with both Hudson and Verifikis and Certain other people are uh, reading, uh, you know, the one that I suggested, Walter Brueggemann on materiality as resistance, the book called Forecast that you suggested, uh, debunking, debunking rather economics by Steve Keen. They keep attempting. They keep, you know, they're not committing suicide. Correct. Whether actual physical suicide or the. The suicide that is equivalent to despair, you right. know, and because you're essentially, you're just a living suicide right. person if you allow yourself to go into despair. Yes, uh, the last series I listened to on uh, Another Now, uh, 
Giannis was interviewing Stephanie... Stephanie Kelton. Kelton, yes, who was uh, an advisor for Bernie Bernie Sanders. Very similar, by the way, by your story. She was influenced by some real key... Uh, Richard Ray, I think is his name. You, uh, yes, that's right. That's taught, one of the MMT people, yeah. Taught, taught at uh, Denver University, who's also connected with uh, Michael Hudson. But she told a very similar story to yours and Kenneth Boulding about being shoved the neoliberal line, you know, down her throat. But she came across these other people thinking very more openly and broadly about economics and put her on a path. Yes. Um, and some of the... In a certain sense, you know, either we were lucky or a combination of luck and somehow or other destiny somehow. You know, I mean, with me and Balding, it was that I said I couldn't continue the way I was in economics. Either I find something better or I, I would... Uh, change discipline. I look over the whole of the United States to find at least one person, not a department, right. but one person. Yeah. And I landed with Kenneth Boulding. Yes, it had an element of myself of saying no to something, but finding something else was virtually entirely a matter of grace. Because one was has been graced by so much, one has the responsibility, a heavy responsibility, of attempting to do something with this transformed self, if you will. You feel you feel responsible without just blaming oneself. Right. Well, I th- I think that is uh, you hit you just hit on something that's pretty important is the blame thing as. Yes. You might know my uh, doctorate involved uh, heavily with Rene Girard and his whole idea yes, of this, yes, yes, this scapegoating of mechanism. And we've really got to get both individually and as a people to, to stop pointing the fingers. Even pointing at causes is, is difficult. I was reading um, in the paper about a shooting at a school that they were commemorating the one-year anniversary of. Interesting, the the grieving parents wanted to advocate for more more guns in schools and more punishment for uh, young people who engage in that. And I was just like, oh my. You know, in many ways, we're coming to the point where it's like, well, we can't just advocate for less guns or more guns because it's it's a deeper problem. With all of us. A deeper, yes, it's a, a deeper disease, a deeper, yes. yes. You know, where my pursuits have been for the last few years now is that it has a lot to do with economics. The, the bottom line is we all have to survive, and we all want to survive. There's about 50% of the planet that is not surviving very well at all. Then the other part of the formula is to thrive. We want to survive and thrive. And, That's right. And for about another 40% of the world population, you know, that thriving part is diminishing rather rapidly. And this all has to yeah. do with economics. You know better than I do how that neoliberal 
ideology uh, pervaded all places in America, the Chicago School. Oh, yes. And, and then others. And then others. I mean, you know, Putin doesn't uh, go in a different direction. <laughs> right. And Ver- Verificus uh, mentioned that himself when he was studying in in England when when he was young. He said this was yes. the this was the textbook stuff, and oh it, yes, there's it, no question. It, I mean, it's indoctrination essentially. Yeah, especially the Republicans are looking to scapegoat China. You know, it's like, well, we need to get the attention off of Trump, so let's let's try and get the attention onto China, and we can all unite around how bad China is. What we don't like about China is they took our neoliberalism and capped it off with... It better than we did. Yeah, did it better because they had state-run, state-run, you know? You can dictate to people. You don't need to mess around with democracy in any way. Yeah, and, and, (laughs) you know... Uh, they just beat us at our own game rather rather badly, you know? It's like rather yes, than rather badly, yes, because yes, here yeah. you here you have to pretend like you're 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 doing the will of the people when you're just uh doing the will of the shareholders. A good portion of the relief fund was uh making sure yes. that shareholders are taken care of. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and the lawyers and the CEOs uh yeah. We're getting together to get the money, for goodness sake. Yeah, and uh, they all had well-oiled machines lobbying so they could make sure that money was uh, a good portion of it was directed to them, even though they didn't need it. The lobbying machinery in this country is overwhelming. It's Oh, absolutely. So, oh, oh. You know, as soon as as soon as we put this money up, it's like the lobbying machine guts, and that's the last thing you're going to have. And we can wallow in despair. And it at times, if we want to look hard enough, it does seem despairing. So we have to look beyond ourselves and the situation and find our hope in something else. I I do understand as a theologian that. I don't want to say in glib terms Jesus is the answer because I know how badly that can get abused. And I'm not saying he's the only answer, you know, for everyone has to become a Christian. But I think the 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 story of the gospel and of a revolutionary who is basically executed, he's executed by the state as a political subversive, in conjunction with uh, a an economic and religious machinery, you yes. know, all in all in concert, and so That's there's why something Jesus, you know, Crossan and Borg and any one of those is, you know, Jesus was uh, was uh, crucified because he went against uh, the power of the Romans and the power of the Pharisees. Yeah, he wasn't crucified in order to save us from our sins. Well, that's that's a that's the interpretation that gets laid on that afterwards, and we just talked about how we can reinterpret that or under, start understanding that in a different perspective than the way it is. Catholicism, but Protestantism as well, has perpetrated a horrible crime on people. I mean, one of my best friends, Gary Gravina, you know. Being a, growing up a, in an Italian family and being a Catholic has been really damaged by that. Even though he is a, a, a really wonderful, uh, light-hearted person, 
but there is this shadow. Right. I escaped it partially uh, because of my family and how the Orthodox Church is treated in Greece and uh, with the Greek community. Yes, people go to church, etc., etc., and have certain beliefs, but there is a certain, how shall I say, playfulness and making fun of the priests and, you know, the church. Right. So that you're not taking it so seriously that this is really the truth, and if you're, and all the guilt that is put on people is so destructive. It's murderous, actually. It is. You know, the gospel really is a way to reinvigorate a narrative, and we call it sometimes a mega-narrative, you know, that can really change people out of the kind of myopic worldviews that we have. But I admit, I don't know how to proceed with that at all. Because it's, it's uh, as you know, in America, that's there's a whole, quote, Christian faction that yeah. just is right in there celebrating with uh, Donald Trump. The only thing, I mean, we, we have to do what we can and with the skills that we have and what uh, gifts we are given. Well, Alec, uh, we've diverted from our original goal of talking more about steady state economics, but I think some of our diversion was helpful, and it alludes to something that I think we'll be approaching near the end of our series is really how can this happen without a change of wills, without a change, a a kind of transformation that goes beyond mere economics, politics, religion. It certainly includes all those things and is not trying to bypass those things. And yet uh, those things in and of themselves are not going to do the trick. So, These are the kinds of things we're going to continue exploring. Hope you didn't mind the diversion. And uh, we're hoping to get back on track with our 12 points of steady state economics. Thank you for listening and being a part of our discussion. See you soon.